You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Hey, Liam. How about a sci-fi disaster movie where a team of hotshot scientists tunnel downward through the crust and mantle of the Earth to restart the gravitational spin of the core? That movie sounds boring. Oh, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool premise with the scientists. And no, the... get it? Like like boring? Like drilling through the Earth to bore? Oh, no, no. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies, as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing The Core, a science fiction film from 2003, and we are joined by a guest, a former guest of this podcast, a fellow about the internet, goes by Cinematological. He's here. It's Robin Taylor. Hi, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, if no other reason that I am trying to buy my way on to every podcast <laughs> that I support on Patreon. So, big fan. Well, we appreciate both your presence and support. Yes, uh, very much so. Uh, and I believe this was your suggestion, or at least you were talking about it in the Discord recently. No, I, I, I ordered it on 4K, and so I, I was celebrating the 4K-ness of it, and then... Greg was like, why don't we do it? And I was like, I think I suggested Citizen Kane initially because Scott was <laughs> shitting on it. And I was like, I need to have a discussion with him about that. And then I was told that's off limits. <laughs> I recognize Citizen Kane as, as a great movie. I just don't like it. <laughs> uh, I Speaking of movies you don't like, I'm just glad to hear that this wasn't, isn't a, uh, pick, a specific pick on your choice with any sort of retributive malice. Uh, because the last time you were on our show, we did uh, Blues Brothers 2000, one of the famously worst movies we've done on this podcast. Oh, and it was all my fault. And I still get, I just want you, I'm, well, you're a listener, you know, I still get shit for it. Uh, so, Yeah, reasonably so, because it's a terrible movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like the core is at least a fifty percent mo- better movie than Blues Brothers two thousand. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, it's about as stupid though in terms of like <laughs> doing things that don't make sense at all. Yeah, but there's a difference uh, between a movie that's just unwatchably bad and a movie that <laughs> actually is kind of having fun with it. And this movie, at least, is kind of having fun with it. Blues Traveler's not in this one, though, so I mean, <laughs> sure. it comes, it comes up. Anyway, enough about Blues Brothers. <laughs> I actually think the chorus kind of meets the definition of, like, good, bad movie. It clips along at a good 
pace. Um, you're never, uh, I didn't feel bored at any particular moment. You know, there was always, mm-hmm. there was always something happening and the things that were happening were inherently silly and stupid. Uh, you know, Aaron and I spent most of the movie riffing on it. So it was, uh, I found it quite entertaining. We actually watched this movie for the first time years ago as part of a double feature with the day after tomorrow. And it was, mm. it was specifically a bad science double feature. And uh, this was the better movie of the two. I'm not going to lie. I disagree <laughs> about that. I love The Day After Tomorrow. I think that's fair enough. I, I think well. that movie's prescient, too, because that was talking about climate change and extreme weather events a decade before it actually started happening yeah, and to the extremity we have now. So that, I think I, I love that movie quite a bit. I think yeah, I like I, this movie better because the quality of the cast is better. Oh yeah, movie. outstanding cast for sure. This is this movie is has an embarrassment of riches uh in regards yeah. to the cast. This cast is wasted on this film. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can actually hit you with the uh the details of this film. Of course, The Core came out in 2003, directed by John Emil, written by Cooper Lane and John Rogers. And based on some questionable understanding of earth science, uh, the <laughs> cast is Aaron Eckhart as Joshua, Josh Keys, Hilary Swank is Rebecca Beck Childs, Major Rebecca, Rebecca Childs, gotta respect those uh, the titles, titles, Delroy Lindo as Dr. Edward Braz Brazelton, Stanley Tucci, the Tooch as Dr. Conrad Zimski, uh, Chick Cario uh, as Serge Levesque. Uh, sorry to all languages for that. <laughs> <laughs> and DJ Qualls as Theodore Donald Rat Finch. Great, great Tucci. I love it. I love an early Tucci. You know, an interesting thing about the writer John Rogers is mm-hmm. um, in 2003, he wrote The Core. In 2004, he wrote Catwoman. Hey, yay, yay. Yay. A bad couple of years for Mr. Rogers. It's okay. So interestingly, when the core came out, it got slammed on the internet, the early internet, right? And so on, there used to be a website uh, for movie nerds that was run by terrible people, but it was called Ain't It Cool News. And it was, mm-hmm. it was like industry shaking website. So he went on the website and posted a letter to them defending the science in the core. And that essentially saying that it was really hard to write movies. And that the executives that were had bought the script kept trying to add dinosaurs to it, and wanted, <laughs> uh, yeah, and wanted a windshield on on the vehicle um, so that people could look out. Um, so that's the things he was fighting against while trying to do the movie. Uh, he still doesn't know the difference between electromagnetism and magnetism, though. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think this movie might have been improved with dinosaurs the producers may have been onto something (laughs) well that's that's one of my thoughts that we'll get to down the road (laughs) oh you and i might be having similar thoughts Uh oh oh no my thoughts are going to diverge but i started there and and went somewhere else so all right yeah so i guess like overall are we are we mostly positive on this film or are we mostly like never going to watch this again and forget about it in a week because i'm that's the camp I'm in. It was I. I even can't remember if I've seen this. <laughs> like, truly, could go either way. I like the first third of the movie quite a bit. I, I like. I think I like the way. Uh, I like the, the way it sets up the stakes. I like. I like the way it more or less 
explains the structure of the earth and the core. It gets a bunch of stuff wrong, but it's very clear to the audience what the problem is and what they're trying to achieve. And mm -hmm. then, um, and then also how it goes and goes and finds, uh, these people who have solutions looking for a problem, like the, you know, Delroy Lindo's character who's created a laser, a boring laser and a unbreakable ship that he doesn't need because he's not actually using it to do anything, yeah. but it just <laughs> happens to exist to fix this problem. But, uh, I, I love that in 2003, the core introduced to the movie going publish public, the concept of, un of unobtainium. Right. Uh, that yeah. everyone would crap on James Cameron for five years later um, for using it when it's actually a real thing that actually exists in science as a, when you're postulating a theory about a material that, it, that you need that has these properties to achieve this thing. And that's the only thing you need to fix this problem. Right. But yeah, I love it. I, and I actually, you know, feel like a little more James Cameron in this movie would have been really good. So. Well, yeah. Interesting. I was the the unobtainium thing stuck out at me. I did not know that it was a real quote unquote thing. It's like a, it's a framework to yeah. hypothesize. But yeah, far out. Um, and and it's got the funniest title card at the end of the movie that I literally did a spit take when sixteen hours later popped up right towards the end because they've been. I mean, we'll get to it, but that's that's they've been driving the ship for sixteen hours uh, with the currents, I guess, to escape. So. Uh, I laughed my ass off. I thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> um, I also noticed with the title card, I, I think at the beginning, I wasn't super paying attention, but the way it ends made me think this was deliberate. I believe the movie starts with a zoom in of Earth. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, uh, from, you see the it's, word? It's from the Paramount logo. So the Paramount, the mountain of the Paramount logo, it's a yeah. flyby on it that goes down into the Earth's core and then turns it, it dissolves into uh the top of a carousel that's spinning and has got the multi right, right. okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay maybe then my theory doesn't work because i i remembered like some kind of zooming in i'm like did this movie go zoom in the movie happens at the core of the earth and then starts coming out the other side uh and then because the end of the movie it's zooming away from earth i'm like was the camera just going through earth and out again the whole time is that the idea that would have been um, but not quite. awesome and thoughtful if that had happened <laughs> that was half half remembered the beginning but the end is definitely like it zooms out and it's just like yeah. the the I, I liked how the names kind of came from you know star wars style it came from outside of the screen yeah 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 uh, no. and then it, the core again um like the so the biggest complaint about the movie is, and it's an understandable complaint is that the science is so wrong right and just to mm -hmm. just to sort of explain what the movie sets up it sets up this idea that if the Earth's core were to stop spinning and what they by that the way the Earth's core is structured is there's a hyper dense uh, inner core that's solid and then there's a liquid fluid, you know, nickel and uh, iron uh, sheath that's like super pressurized hot metal that's rotating around that inner core. It creates a magnetic field, which then there's the mantle and the part we live on. And the magnetic field's hanging on to our atmosphere along with gravity because that super dense ball in the middle is that has is so massive, it's part of why we have gravity, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what they postulate is, is that, and because they, they, they confuse magnetism and electromagnetism, they postulate that if that if that liquid part that's rotating around that that solid part in the middle just stopped one day, that the magnetic field of the Earth would just immediately be stripped away. And then because it, it is holding in our atmosphere and would then the Earth would get pummeled with cosmic rays and microwave 
and and the way they present like the earth is already being pummeled with microwave all the time like mm-hmm. it's if it went away right now we'd not would not be turned into popcorn immediately right like we're already we're getting hit by microwaves constantly so they get a bunch of stuff wrong about that but the the problem they're trying to create this sort of unsolvable problem is that if if this uh magnetic field gets eliminated in the movie it somehow stops people's pacemakers um, and creates like a, essentially a natural EMP and starts messing with like birds and whales migration patterns and then yeah. massive electrical storms. That. Right. So that's the sort of unsolvable problem. And then they're like, well, the f- way to fix that is to throw nukes at it to make it start rotating <laughs> again. Right. Um, so it's silly. It's like the whole thing is silly. The idea of being able to drive <laughs> your way down into the Earth's core in a matter of hours is silly. Um, so you either buy in at the beginning or you're just out for the whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but when people were complaining about the science, the screenwriter, uh, as I said, obviously was like, I did, I tried. Right. But the more important thing is that the director, um, who had directed a bunch of films like Summersby and Entrapment, he was a fairly successful director until this movie. And then he went into TV and he does a lot of prestige TV now. Um, he is friends with a guy named J Marvin Hendren. And he was the unofficial science advisor to the director on the movie. And would you be surprised to learn mm-hmm. that J. Marvin Hedren is a climate denier, a COVID <laughs> denier, and he believes that the Earth's core is actually an ongoing ball of nuclear fission, that it's actually a massive nuclear reactor or nuclear, not nuclear, n- nuclear reactor. Uh, and that's why we get volcanoes, um, because <laughs> it's it's cooking rock and then we're, it's pressurizing the rock because it's cooking it in this fission reactor. And then it gets superheated and goes up. Yeah. And that was the director's wow. science advisor on this film. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's extremely funny the how people can be led astray in the in Hollywood. In the creative arts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, like, no, that's that's interesting because, like, uh, yeah, on one hand, you want to say, hey, get a real science advisor. But, like, it's a pretty silly movie. It doesn't really need good well, science. But also, this guy sounds like a, a croc, you know, shouldn't have been let anywhere near the script because he doesn't know what he's talking about in perpetuity. Well, so, it's like, yeah. yeah. So, even more interestingly is that, that the core actually spontaneously – created a panel of scientific uh, advisors that formed that essentially became a council that their entire job was to start advising media because they were (laughs) so offended by the core that they were like, we have to start forcing our way into these conversations because they're not going to come asking us. Right. So, so that actually now when they're science advising on, on movies, the, the core is directly involved with why that exists. Oh, to let that be a huge lesson to screenwriters out there. Mm-hmm. It's just like, write whatever you want because you may accidentally do some good <laughs> <laughs> through your own and- incompetence. Just, just get it out there. Just get whatever you think out there. Well, that's okay. <laughs> when AI either. takes over writing screenwriting, it's not going to make any mistakes because AI never makes mistakes. <laughs> I, exactly. That's, I, I said that to my partner. I, I don't know that I believe it now, but I, I said it to him and I was like, this movie is an argument for letting AI write script. <laughs> like, cause it's <laughs> the person writing it had no idea what they were talking about. So like, maybe let a robot do it. Um, like, <laughs> 
Well, I guess now that we've got the uh, the plot or the science out of the way, let's uh, let's get ourselves right into the plot. It was a secret government program known as Project Destiny. We're building a weapon that could generate targeted seismic events. Designed to use earthquakes to attack our enemies. I'm getting a seismic reading. It was a perfect, untraceable weapon. Destiny is a go. Until something went wrong. That's an electrical superstorm. Popping up all over the world. I'll put this as simply as I can. Everybody on Earth is dead in a year. The core of the Earth has stopped spinning. The spinning core protects us from cosmic radiation. Without it, radiation will create superstorms. Microwaves will literally cook our planet. How could this have happened? It was Project Destiny. We killed the planet. So, how do we fix it? We can't. The core is the size of Mars. You're talking about jump-starting a planet. What if we could? Whoever goes into the core is not coming back. We're losing oxygen! Breach! Yeah! Got a job to do. Let's do it. When people, birds, and ancient coliseums start inexplicably dropping dead, geophysicist Josh Keyes is called in to confirm the events are not the result of an act of aggression toward the United States. While it is confirmed weapons aren't the cause, Keyes suspects something more dire. The Earth's core has stopped spinning. After explaining the issue to top military brass, academic peers, and the audience like they're all a bunch of dumb idiot babies, efforts begin to assemble an elite task force who will attempt to kickstart the core. Turns out the only thing harder than gathering a team of capable experts is engineering the drill and vessel that will be used to bore through the earth to unprecedented depths. Sorry, that should be easier. The only thing easier than gathering a team is engineering the drill. Anyway, the clandestine operation to nuke the center of the earth is underway, and our heroes must survive the epic adventure to pull off a reverse Armageddon. I, I think one of my first questions after I finished watching the movie <laughs> was, what narrative purpose did the conspiracy plot serve? Because the, the, there's there's this whole sort of like through line of like the the core is destabilizing and they're trying to keep it from the public so much so that they hire this super hacker who literally hacks the planet so that nobody finds out what all of these crazy electromagnetic disturbances are like and I, I guess the reason for that is is to contribute to the ticking clock at the end, right? They have this other this other solution to uh, reignite the core, which is not the nuclear bombs. It's some sort of laser thing that's in Alaska. But I feel like, for me anyway, and Robin, you're talking about how you kind of like the first mm-hmm. um, third of the movie. Uh, one of the things that I think that, that actually robbed us of is um experiencing the collective dread uh of a population realizing what's at stake and how fucked they are i I think like generally i like disaster movies for that particular reason Mm -hmm. i like i like seeing uh people react to this 
a horrible, uh, hopeless situation. I like seeing how governments try to react to it. I think all that stuff is really, really fun. And uh, like, I would have been having more fun with this movie had I got to see that. But because they've decided that they're going to try and keep the population of the Earth in the dark about it somehow, um, we don't get to see any of that. Um, I think part of the reason they might have gone that way is so that they didn't have to do that so that they could be focused on the ship and not on the larger global disaster that's going on. I also think it's super dumb because people have (laughs) eyes and they can look outside and see (laughs) stuff going on. And then imagine, imagine you just witnessed the Coliseum explode because of a freak lightning storm and then birds started hitting every window and you ran to your computer and looked online to find out what the hell is happening and you get a 404 error. Um, (laughs) Like you would lose your mind. You would have no idea what's going on. Nobody's giving you an explanation for the things you're seeing. But I think the movie fails to properly explain that the reason why the U.S. government wants to keep this under wraps is because they are responsible for the disaster. Right. Because Project Destiny, the super weapon they're going to try to restart the Earth with, stopped the core to begin with. And that's not very well explained in the movie. Yeah, I think it's I think it's something that's posited, but it doesn't it doesn't s- I never get the sense that like that's actually true. Like, yeah, it's like it, it's, they, they, they they say that it's that it's. Theoretically, it could have. That's kind of how they... Basically, they they invented an earthquake machine and they accidentally screwed up the earth with it, which is like 100%. I buy that. The US government would do that. But uh, it's, it's not well explained in the movie. And I was under the impression when I sat on it that one of the reasons they wanted to hush it up was because they didn't want the cat to get out of the bag that they nearly destroyed the earth. I mean, how do you prove that, right? Like the only people who would know that are the people who would know that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, so like, it's like the problem, I mean, there's massive problems, but the, the structure of the script is so mechanical in terms of like, we have this plot point that we have to hit. So in order to hit this, we have to set up reasons for these things to exist. So like the yeah. hacker exists so that he can interrupt the destiny project. The destiny project exists to have a second ticking clock because the end of the world's not enough of a ticking clock. We need <laughs> to have the worst solution on top of that to ramp everything up. Right. So you can just walk back all these decisions. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. The conspiracy theory. Like, here's the thing. What's this movie about? Like, what's the (laughs) the actual theme of the movie? What are they trying to say? I have no idea because it's they don't do the conspiracy theory thing right. They don't do any of the relationships right. They don't do the jeopardy for humanity and our shared existence right. So, like, it's it's not really about anything that I can see. It's it's about something cool happening and we get to watch it but it's not uh, it wasn't even that cool like like not really yeah like so one of the things that i when i was researching this that i came across i came across a, an entertainment weekly article from 2002 where they interviewed they were talking to the cast about how excited they were for the movie but they also noted that paramount had screened it and then gave them millions of dollars more to add more disaster scenes and effects Right. So I don't know if it's the Italy sequence or if it's the San Francisco sequence, but one of those is like a reshoot that they added on at the end of the movie. Right. And then the CG looks like previs. Like, yeah. Like Return of the King came out in 2003. Like CG was not crap at this time. Right. (laughs) And this was an $85 million movie. So 
there was a lot of money being spent. And oh, one more very hilariously, uh, I don't know, coincidental. I don't know if I call it irony, but uh, the the visual effects supervisor for this movie was the recently uh, terminated post-production supervisor who has been widely regarded as the reason Marvel movies all look the same. Mm. So oh, really? she started her career on a, mm-hmm. on a movie that looks terrible. On these sick, sick gems. <laughs> so I don't know, but yeah, it's just, it's it, like, I, that's, I was telling my partner, I'm like, I, I don't know what this movie's about. It could have been about a bunch of things. It's not about it, anything. Know, I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because like the, some of the elements that would normally be in this in a movie like this, like you think of a Roland Emmerich movie, like his, his characters, uh, it's usually about family, right? Like mm-hmm. you have in independence day, you've got uh, the president with his wife and his daughter and you have um, in 2001, it's like John Cusack's a crappy dad and has to 2012. Like, yeah. I 2012. Sorry. I dare you. We, we, we did that on my, uh, on my show. <laughs> 2012. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So like, usually, usually like at least you have something like that and they do have a character who has a family, uh, and dies trying to save them and we never see his family. Like, like it sort of like misses the mark on so many, I don't know, tropes of disaster movies. And I I feel like that's kind of why it doesn't work. There's no emotional core, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like thematically, like Independence Day, right? Like you can, Independence Day is about overcoming adversity, right? Like at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. that movie is about um, overwhelming, unbeatable odds can be beaten by human, um, human, you know, endeavoring and endurance and, and skill and go, uh, and and also jingoism. So, but like, (laughs) You know, that, so, so, the, but again, the core is not like, it, it, the, nobody in it is particularly ingenious, right? No one in it is particularly courageous. No one's particularly driven. Um, like I found Stanley Tucci's character to be hilariously Tucci. Um, but, mm-hmm. but he's just an ass, you know? And then Delroy Lindo's character was kind of the most interesting character because he's like clearly driven and, begrudged and very feeling like he's been put upon but also has there's so much emotion to like emotionality to everything he does because everything seems to really like be breaking his heart in some way right Mm so so you know so maybe the the core is about the journey of a man to find peace i don't know that's a stretch but could be it goes back to the thing I was saying about this. This movie feels like it was written by AI where it's just like, but without any of the correct science where it's just like, what well, we're doing, like there's some disaster stuff happens. So we're going to have a guy get scorched on the, the, the bridge and some birds are going to drop it. And it's a science movie. So you got to explain the science in a way that everyone can understand, but like none of it, it's all for a movie that digs down to the core. It's all surface level. Mm-hmm. It is all, every aspect of this movie is surface level. I also want to I want to circle back to your mentioning how it feels like the movie was engineered in reverse and that really strikes me because I can remember scenes at the beginning of the movie that feel like they're setting up for payoffs that never come mm-hmm. and and that like like off the top of my head um Aaron Eckert's character Josh at the beginning of the movie is teaching students about how sound waves 
travel through Earth uh, and and materials. And I'm like, oh, so he's going to have like a, a sound generator to help them navigate. Nope. He's got something completely different. Like, well, right. But that's I mean, I I was with you on that. I was like, well, this is a setup for something. It, it's kind of leading to the sort of portable MRI like the directional MRI he creates so they yeah. can see that's, that's kind of where they're going with that. But those two, those two things are not the same. They're right? not the same. And it, but then, and that's, that puts in my mind, like, because they engineered it backwards, <laughs> they, also, they had this device, they gave it to him to invent, and then they had him be a smart scientist, but they didn't yeah. set it up right. Yeah. How would an MRI work if you were heading towards a massively magnetic source? Like the Earth's core, probably wouldn't. I would assume. <laughs> I thought it was like a. I thought they said it was like a CT scan, not an uh, MRI. I don't know. I thought he said MRI, I, but who knows? Either way, they he could have been using seismology to like use sound waves to navigate because yeah. that's clearly his well, specialty. And that's how, yeah, and that's how they started the movie off, right? Exactly. Like he's, he's like playing. He's playing a trumpet into, um, into a oh, like a yeah. piece of granite or whatever it was, which. Even that scene feels like, like he's about he's about to like play sounds, and I thought we were just gonna get, like that's a perfect moment where you get sort of like an interesting sort of explanation of like what's happening in a microcosm with the movie. Like he explains the the relationship of sound waves and uh, and you know the core of the Earth or whatever and rocks and stuff like that, and then you get a sense of like what will be happening eventually with the core of the Earth, but it just stops and they just like drag him away before he does any teaching. You know what this, what this scene is trying to be and failing to be Alan Grant's introduction in Jurassic park. That is the perfect scientist introduction to a film. It completely sets up his character. It completely sets up, uh, knowledge that's going to be important for the film. And then he is pulled away to start the action and it works perfectly because it's structured correctly. And it's completely wrong here. (laughs) Most most good disaster movies do that. There's the you know Arm- We've talked about Armageddon. They like they talk about how the drill works. That, that someone talks about volcanoes in Dante's Peak. Like it's yeah, it, it yeah it, yeah it goes nowhere. I mean it's a myth. Like, so it, like, like Braz's gun. Braz's gun isn't sound. It's like what the laser the the laser yeah. drill. <laughs> so no, it's not sound. It's a it's basically yeah. a bunch of pulsing lasers that are functioning at such high speed and like it's insane because like, so the movie's about magic, right? Really is really what it's about because (laughs) because in order to, to create these massively powerful laser drill uh, that you need a massively power portable um, power source. And so they're like, well, there's a a experimental nuclear reactor uh, that's going to be doing that. And it's like, what? What? So you're just going to magic that up in your ship that's made out of metal that the more it heats up and has pressure, the stronger it gets because it's magic too. Like, it's just like, it's bananas. And and that was kind of the struggle I had with figuring out what to do with the movie is like, you just, inspired. you might hear some typing. You actually just inspired a fix and a note. So thank you. Okay. So, so, well, 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 I'll get to it when we get to it. But it was just like, I was just like, I was like, where do you go when when you've created a problem and your only solution in your movie is magic, right? Like, I don't. I, that was the thing I struggled with. Yeah. And then I then I fixed it. So I, I you know, the other thing I think that's funny about um, uh, about what the screenwriter was thinking 
when they were sitting down to put this thing together is the the visuals of everything like you know like drilling down into the earth like with a big tunneling machine like not very visual and i and i like (laughs) and and when they get to the core uh they basically just have to like say fuck it metal is completely transparent because otherwise nobody can see what it is that we're trying to <laughs> to show them, right? Otherwise, like literally, it would just be you know them inside that that cockpit for the entire movie. But so, yeah, it, I think it's like it's funny that they didn't stop there, where it was just like, uh, you know what? Maybe visually, this isn't a win for us. And like, <laughs> I can understand why they were like reshooting to create all these disasters because without those scenes, like you're just underground and, and like, they've got that one cool scene with the, uh, with the geode, um, you know, so good for them for thinking of something like that. But, um, other than that, it's literally just, you know, a worm going through the earth. It's not interesting. It's a disaster movie that fails to recognize that the reason people turn out to disaster movies is the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't go to independence day to watch Will Smith punch an alien. They go to Independence Day to watch famous buildings explode. <laughs> and and what you would do if you were in the proximity of a famous building exploding, which we get very little of because the entire uh, operation is hush hush and covered up from people. No one knows that the the day was saved. And right? the main and the main thing we see all movie is a bunch of people in a cramped space. <laughs> <laughs> or some nonsense about a beam of microwave yeah. scorching some guy's arm. Yeah, it's weird that it melted that bridge before it caused his car to burst into flames. But <laughs> yeah, he got like he got, anybody. He, <laughs> yeah, he got a sunburn, but it didn't like it. It didn't melt his fucking car or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, whatever. That's that's fine. I guess. I mean, okay. The miniature work in that sequence is actually great. It's actually very well done. <laughs> yeah, it's well it photographed and it looks pretty cool, especially in yeah. 4K on a big TV. So. Yeah, yeah. Did that? Was it worth it to watch it in 4K? But it that's 20, it's 25 bucks. So yeah, it was totally worth it. <laughs> but that's the spectacle you're paying to see in a disaster movie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not enough of it here. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like like no one no one really hated this one, but most of it is like I don't think we have a lot of like praise for it. I guess no, it's, like it's, it's just, mostly nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not egregious. It's not unwatchable. It's no, just very yeah. very silly. I like. Yeah. I. I had a good time with how silly it was, and and yeah. that has value too, you know. That's a very riffable. Was great. So I, I thought the first third was great. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the first third, and then it just turned to crap. So you you enjoy the part where we see a bunch of disasters and they're trying to solve the problem. You just hate when they get into the ship and go into the earth. Yeah, I mean the like I get hung up on things like how many setups are in a scene. So it's like. I'm always very fascinated watching something like this where you've got, you know, six people in a cramped space. They're all facing the same direction and they're all just shouting out like, we're at 16,000 feet. We're at 20,000 feet. Oh, turn the shields on. Oh, make, make the impeller go faster. Just this nonsense dialogue, techno battle, right? So I'm always fascinated about how that gets covered and how many, how many cameras you use and what angles because the actors are doing their bits in like pieces, right? So it's just, yeah. and these guys just gave it all. They were just like, they're just There's in there big pushing choices. those shots, man. Was, was, yeah, yeah, that was the thing I got entranced by. 
There are a couple of times where the actors go way harder than this, like not only than the script calls for it, but then they had in previous scenes yeah. where they're like all the emotion. They're like really yeah. giving it. Yeah. Yeah. I thinking like, yeah. Are you thinking of like the Aaron Heckhart scene just after surge dies? Yeah. But there's even one Baz, um, Braz has quite an emotional, like, fuck you scene mm-hmm. yeah. um watching tucci kind of go through what little arc that character has is very emotionally cathartic so yeah yeah um the little bit of material you can tell these are good actors with just scraps of material who do the most with what, what they're yeah. given because yeah i think it's all surface level from from plot to science to jokes to concept it's all surface level yeah tucci has one particular freak out that's that's quite entertaining and when he, I believe it's like when they, when they realize they don't have enough uh, nuclear power to to restart the Earth, and then he goes into like a pretty long tirade. And that was, yeah. There's there's a moment where you're just like, ah, acting. This is great. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is I always watch movies, and I'm like, what's the bit? What's the bit in this that this actor got to chew on is the reason they did this movie. Right. right. And just yeah. speculating on that. And yeah, it's exactly like that. That moment was probably Tucci's moment. Eckhart's moment was, you know, when he was grieving his friend's death in that scene with Hillary Swank. Right. It's just, it's like, OK, there's little moments here and then they're getting paid millions of dollars to actually, you know, sit around for 60 or 30 days, 45 days making the movie. Right. So, yeah, you know, in a I don't know what can. movie it was for, but I remember hearing a story of. Uh, Al Pacino doing a scene, I want to say in a courtroom, maybe. And he kept asking for like another take and another take because he was like, ah, I don't, I don't think I've got it right. And eventually the director clued in that he just really liked delivering the monologue he was delivering yeah. <laughs> and wanted to, and wanted to keep doing it again and again. And finally had to just be like, no, Al, we're good. We've got it. We definitely got it on that one. <laughs> That's probably scent of a woman. I would, it I would might've been. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Or the devil's uh, advocate. <laughs> a lot to chew on in that movie. <laughs> yeah. The we, we kind of glossed over it because it has very little to do with the movie other than adding some disaster uh, and setting up why Hillary Swank is both capable and available. Um, but the spaceship scene, I, I thought was fun. I thought that was a yeah. good, silly, good, silly fun. I thought it was great. Like in terms of um, like, what do you do when the space shuttle has to land because it's not powered? So it's a glide vehicle and it's going the wrong way. You know, I thought it was interesting and creative way to do it. I mean, like as soon like it, then it gets silly, right? Because as soon as it hits the water, you're not steering that thing anymore because the water's <laughs> a foot deep. You're just you're just going to ram into it and collapse. But yeah, I thought that scene was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was and it was a good um, illustration of like the problems that the Earth was having and like how it was affecting um, life on Earth, right? Like, you know, creating that sort of dramatic scene I mean, out of it. Like, speaking of setups that never get paid off, that sets up that she's this miracle navigator, right? Who could figure yeah. things out on a dime and it never comes in anything. Yeah, she's never, comes up never asked here. to do anything. Do lap navigation again. Yeah. Uh, nope. Yeah. So, it's, no, yeah. and they, they also set her up as kind of like a, like a little bit of a science savant too, because she fixes the <clears throat> CT machine for, yeah. uh, for Eckhart, right? And that never, never comes, comes up. up. Again. Yeah. That was entirely just to give them a little scene to get a little business to do to say, hey, look, look at the look at the little maybe there's a little romance here between yeah. those two. That and the tie tying, you know, yeah. you know how you go to the event with your tie untied. 
Yep. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, that's nitpicking now, uh, and we have so much nitpicking to do in the second half. So let's um, let's uh, just take a quick break here. We'll be back with our actual bona fide fixes for the core. I'd like to get more reading done, and joining a book club seems like a good idea, but I don't know. Why not? Reading a whole book in a month, that's pretty daunting. What if it was just a chapter, say a week? That doesn't sound too bad. Still, getting together with a bunch of people, that's a whole evening. Well, what if it was only half an hour, whenever you wanted to? That would be great. The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. Join my wife, Anita. And my husband, Scott. As we take you on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Available right now on your podcatcher of choice. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes, The Core. Uh, do we have fixes? I certainly have one, but I'm I'm excited to hear what you guys come up with for actionable fixes for this thing. I mean, I had a facetious one, and I had one that uh, takes this movie in a very different direction, but keeps kind of the, the core of it. That was not intentional. <laughs> Intact. That was not intentional. Um, <laughs> So I'm I'm happy to start with my with sure. my less facetious. Well, my facetious one to start with is turn this into journey to the center of the earth, <laughs> which is why I was like maybe have the dinosaurs in there. Like they they something's gone wrong with the interior of the earth. The surface is freaking out. They send an expedition in to figure out what's going on, and they find the hollow earth. Basically, maybe there's actual Nazis down there who are doing Nazi stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm willing to go all in on the hollow earth in, in this version of the, of the script. It would be absolutely nuts, but that is my facetious <laughs> uh, suggestion for how to fix this film. Uh, Cause then you could have Stanley Tucci punch a Nazi. I'm just saying <laughs> you could do that. Um, my, my more serious suggestion is if you want to have this adventure in this like experimental ship, that's going to try to do something and you want it to be visually exciting, you don't hide it in the rock. You put it in space. What if the movie is about the sun going crazy? All these solar flares are going off. They need to go and do some sort of science magic to fix the sun. And so they're, they're shooting off into space. They've got Hillary Swank, the astronaut. Uh, you turn Josh into some sort of like sun scientist and Tucci, some sort of astrophysicist. Cause he's already basically supposed to be Carl Sagan, right? <laughs> like, do we all want to say it in, in unison? That's <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, sunshine. sunshine. <laughs> yes. But this. Yes. But my, my version. <laughs> <laughs> sunshine, but with Stanley Tucci. Here's the thing though. Sunshine came out in 2007 though. Yeah. And this movie came out in 2003. So like just taking it back, you make sunshine out of this movie. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I I know that the movie I'm suggesting has been made, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying I'm saying that's the fix for this movie would have been to make sunshine. Because yeah, then, d- you, I, then you then you could do something that's... more visually spectacular. Yeah, I think that's more or less fair. Like, it, it, I mean, I said it in the first half. Like, you know, you, you need to have much more visually appealing uh, central conflict, and um, obviously, throwing it into space would be much more interesting. Or going on the hollow Earth side of things, like maybe the the core itself is, you know, they discover that the core isn't liquid metal, it is hollow, and there's just all these other things to explore down there or whatever, and it's more of a wonderment exploration movie. Maybe not necessarily dinosaurs, I don't know, but like, yeah, th- th- there there would need to be, 
I, I like I do like the idea that they would uh, that they go down there and they find something they didn't expect. And the the geode scene was one of my favorite scenes just because yep. like that was really that was a really cool interesting idea. And if the movie kind of decided to um, go a little bit uh, harder on that, I think that would have been interesting. The movie's already walking way over the edge of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm of the opinion that they just needed to go further, basically, mm-hmm. and either make it like a, a, a true science fiction movie and make sunshine four years early, or, <laughs> uh, you, you do, you do a hollow earth thing. You have some crazy something going on in the center of the earth and they're all surprised and terrified to discover it and have to fix it to save the surface. Yeah. Like imagine Stanley Tucci being able to chew on something about his scientist having had no idea what was going on in the center of the earth. He thought he was this big expert and there's dinosaurs and Morlocks down there. Like (laughs) he'd lose his mind. It would be fantastic. Like, look, the movie you're pitching doesn't sound bad by any stretch, (laughs) but I just, I think I, I don't know that like digging through the earth is as visually boring as Greg is making it out to be. And I don't know that like, I think you can make this what's on the page more interesting that it, that we have to scrap the whole idea of a train to the center of the earth. Um, hey, neither of my idea, a- my ideas completely scraps what's going on in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like the the obstacles not being dinosaurs or something silly, but being like the geode or some kind of like we hit a lava vent flow and we're off of course or like someone did the you know what it is this is a really easy one right right off the top here. Someone did a calculate or like when they hit the geode, they're now not going straight down or they're not at the angle they wanted. And so now what's her name? Hillary Swank has to do some lap navigation to get them back at the angle they need to be moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ra- rather than having to like cut a uh, a piece of geode or something like that. It's more about it's more about her scientific acumen and mm-hmm. then the lava flow that starts falling on them you know, creates the the ticking clock. I guess you can still have the, that, you know, if you want to get them outside of the, the train, then you, you could still have the, the fact that they've got to get rid of a, a piece of uh, uh, crystal or whatever, but yeah. And if I, you want a genuine, another, so another genuine obstacle for them to overcome while they're digging, that isn't Murlocs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you actually have at least maybe phase one of Project Destiny go off. The the military guy gets an itchy trigger finger and he he does the first like pulse and they have to like weather that turbulence. Um and oh shit, now you've made it one degree worse. We're gonna have to tinker with how the bombs go off on the fly. Um I th- I think there's ways to make digging through the earth interesting. Like again, I, I never I rarely do I ever want to advocate for not having dinosaurs in a movie. Um uh, but like yeah, there's you can you can make this interesting even with some silly science or some good science. Yeah, I don't know. And if I like I the agree. two things I just pitched. I don't know what? if I agree. So okay, so here's the challenge I had with the movie. Right? Is I agree with Scott. That was the first place I went. Is like like if you're gonna go goofy, go full goofy and do Journey to the Center of the Earth. Right? Right? And then I was like, what if you went full science? Like, what if you went hard science? Mm-hmm. And then I was presented with this is an unsolvable problem, right? Like yes. you're actually going to use real science. So then it's like, okay, well, if this is, if this is an unsolvable problem, what's a different problem that you can introduce 
that would cause the same issues like EMPs, you know, like people's pacemakers ending or, you know, extreme weather or, you know, what would actually rip the atmosphere off the earth. Right. And then I was like, well, that's another unsolvable problem. Right. Because what are you going to do? Like you've ripped the atmosphere off the earth. You can't just vacuum it back on. You know, you can't like Velcro air back to the, the planet. Mm-hmm. Unless right? you're so, in possession of the space ball one. Right. Exactly. So so I was <laughs> like, OK, so this is like we're back into magic to fix these things. Right. Or uh, aliens or unknowable or ancient technology that's buried in the in the center of the earth. So then the way I went with this was to retain the original structure of the movie, but change the premise entirely. Okay. So okay. the, my fix for this is that the core mission as it is the movie that we are presenting right now that we've seen is the cover story for an actual secret conspiracy that's been set up because Donald Trump is president only understands throwing nukes at things to fix problems. So scientists come to him and say, uh, the problems we're having, it's not climate change. We swear it's actually the core is stopped rotating. And the only way to fix it is throw nuclear weapons at it. So if you can just give us billions of dollars, we'll throw <laughs> nuclear weapons at it and we'll staff it with whoever you want. So a bunch of mega influencers who don't understand science get put into a reality TV version of this ship set. And they're actually convinced that they're going into the Earth's core and could put on pressure suits and walk around outside when it's 800,000 uh, <laughs> uh, PSI uh, because they're saving the Earth. While at the same time, the real mission is carbon str- scrubbing, terraforming being built in areas all around the Earth simultaneously. But it's hidden because the conspiracy is hiding it from the president. That this is being done. <laughs> I love that. So that that's is, that is, that's my version of the core. So it's actually <laughs> yeah. So there you go. <laughs> that's that's sick. That has a lot of potential. Actually, I'm I, my mind is now reeling of the like almost like a farcical comedy, almost like what Don't Look Up was trying to do. Yeah. If it was like the only way we solve climate change is to th- trick the people who don't want to solve climate change into like giving us money and then looking over at a shiny yeah. button. <laughs> like, the heroes are over there. Look over there. You can be yeah. a hero like them. <laughs> I think that's sick. That's the, yeah, that's what the don't look up should have been. Holy shit. I love that. Thank you. Um, I don't know that we, we've ever had a series of fixes that violate one of the tenets of the show so thoroughly it's just like no page one rewrites <laughs> the, this, one's, this one's tough it's, to salvage it's not page one it's a wraparound around the original script sure right? <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah um very good i mean i so i'm gonna i'm gonna it, it discovered it in this moment i'm gonna maintain that you can make dig you know first act is um the spaceship landing and the disaster of this disaster, the, yeah. the disasters of this disaster. The middle chunk is them digging through the earth in a way I think I pitched making it look pretty good. Um, and uh, the third act can be the very silly. They got to They think they're going to die and they figure out a way to leave. Boom. I actually my pitch was that they die. They don't make it. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. Like they don't. I, I was even surprised they thought they were going to the center of the earth and coming back at all. Yeah. Like even in the best scenario that they thought they got to go home from this was like very silly. So I think they should have died. Um, the, the other note I want to share is the one I came up with where we were talking the first half. Um, Cause we talk about how the government causing it is very unclear. 
It's not really well, it's not well utilized as a, a plot thread that is created and then dropped. It's not very explained very well. Yeah. Um, and we also talk about how they just out of thin air whip together this machine, this magical machine out of like almost nothing in three months that, you know, even the stuff they try to explain, there's all sorts of elements that are just like, oh, and then they just got it. Then they just got this nuclear, you know, like you said, the experimental nuclear reactor, the what? Um, so the I can solve those two wave. problems. Yeah, hand wave. I can solve those two problems by collapsing them onto each other. It is inexplicable. And then you end the conspiracy thing, too. Um, it is explicitly said that the government fucked up and did this by using some weird machine in Alaska to make sound waves. Uh, they want to fix it, and they don't want to get caught. So the, the, the not getting caught thing is why they have to have the hacker guy. Um, and the way that they fix it is a bunch of engineers are like, well... We got to restart this machine, but you know, parts of this thing you've built could be repurposed to get shot down in there. Like instead of sending sound waves or whatever it is that cause it, they just use something that already exists so that at least narratively, they're not trying to create a tunnel digging train out of thin air. <laughs> They've got something that already kind of has the science cooked into it and they just figure out how to put it on wheels. I have um, maybe a, an expl like a, an explanation for the ship um, that's sort of adjacent to that. Um, sure. I, I was thinking about combining Delroy Lindo's character and Stanley Tucci's character. Mm -hmm. Not that I would want to lose Stanley Tucci because he's great in this, but um, I was thinking that Delroy Lindo could be um, the guy that was helping to develop the destiny project and then he sees the the issues that are going to arise from this and he's uh, terrified of what's going to happen if they ever turn it on and and it will stop the core right so then he he leaves that project and becomes this kind of hermit and he's he begins to work on a solution for it because he's absolutely convinced that mm. Yeah. At some point, you know the the core is going to stop uh, spinning. So he's working he's working on these lasers because he knows that like sooner or later we're gonna have to have a solution for this or whatever. He's and like he's he doing just Egon. Be, he's doing yeah, yeah, Egon yeah. from the new Ghostbusters movie. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And like it, it can be like like it, um, Eckhart's character can sort of like he knew him in the past. He knew what his expertise were, but he. It, to, to his mind, he went, you know, he went crazy, and he just like he, he just fell off the the face of the earth. And then he's the one that suggests him to the to the U.S. government. You can you can keep Stanley Tucci's character. Stanley Tucci is just the head of Project Destiny, and he's being sent along because it was his device. Number one, mm -hmm. he still has the existing relationship with Delroy Lindo's character then, because they both worked on the project together. And he's the one who ultimately is kind of responsible for having messed up the earth. So he feels he needs to go along to help fix it. Yeah. And he can still be arrogant and, and mm -hmm. like yeah. trying to fob off he, responsibility. Well, it's someone else's calculations messed this up. He could up. even like, contribute to the ticking clock by being the one who's convinced that like, you know, you know what? Destiny is the only way that the only thing that can get us out of this. Yeah. yeah they never let me try it a second time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if I did it twice? <laughs> so, I mean, you don't have to lose Tucci's character at all. Sure. Yeah. You just kind of shift him a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I like, um, I like Liam's fix for, um, involving Hillary Swank's character more and giving, giving her like a more of a, like a proper arc. Cause they do set up like that, you know, or just a I, scene to yeah, excel it as a character. Uh, you know, maybe off the top that she, ne- she actually needs to fail a little bit so that it's more satisfying when she succeeds at the, uh, at the end. I don't know. I mean, that's um, the inverse of what they set up, right? Is that she's never failed. Therefore, her lesson is that she has to fail and then overcome it. Right. Right. In the existing thing. So if she's failing <laughs> at the beginning, what's her lesson? Fail right. harder? <laughs> like, yeah. Fail less? Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> she's like her her failure in the movie proper is that she's she her her loss is like she lost her commander. Right. That's yeah. kind of like her fail moment. But she didn't really contribute to that failure. So maybe it's more mm-hmm. of like a she there's something along the way that, um, you know, she makes a she makes a, you know, poor decision out of, you know, maybe she's a bit more cocky or whatever. And she makes she, a poor decision. She the- pilots the ship into something that damages the ship and the commander mm-hmm. has to has to sacrifice himself to save the rest. Perfect. Of the ship. Yep. Now yep. we've lo- still lost the commander. She's directly responsible for it. And she has to like learn from that. Yeah. And then you, you, you could keep that way. You could keep the shuttle sequence pretty much as you, as it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not much has been said about the character rat. Yeah. Um, he sucks. That's why <laughs> he's the worst character. Uh, Scott, you're joking in our discord. Also, Folks, please come join us in the Discord. You don't have to be a member of the Patreon. You can just come join it. We're having a great chat all the time. Please come. Um, you can find a link in all of our like link tree and on our social media. Yep. Um, but Scott, you had said cut rat. Um, <laughs> and that's fair. It's he's the cringiest character in this movie. I even like DJ Qualis. Well, Qualis. it's yeah, and I mean we we kind of touched on this as well because the the conspiracy thing never really goes anywhere. There's not really a need for him in the movie. Like if you cut, yeah, he's not the, the man in the chair. If you cut all of the stuff with them having to like, uh, keep this under wraps and you cut out the little bit at the end where he leaks the information, the movie doesn't Don't really suffer in any way. Yeah. Like at all, the plot is virtually unaffected. So he's uh, a yeah. very easy cut. Agreed. Especially because I think this movie would be served. We were talking in the beginning about having the disasters be like humanity knows it's it's days are numbered and there's an existential threat because that's the best part of the disaster movie. So the keeping it under wraps thing, either we do what I said, where it's like they, the government is a real good reason and it's clear that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Or you let the people be afraid and we have disaster movie catharsis. But I, I, I do love a hacker character. I do love the nerdy weirdo character. They're kind of my favorite. I even like DJ Qualls. I was talking to a guy at work recently about how like, Hey, he's in like a bunch of stuff in that around that time. And you don't see him much anymore. What happened to him? And it's weird that a month later we're watching this. <laughs> um, so, uh, I have a pitch to just make this guy a less cringy character. I fully just rewrote the character description for rat to make him not obnoxious and one note and, uh, just a bad stereotype of what people think nerds are. Um, also, right off the top, uh, there's a scene, uh, before I get into like redescribing his character, there's a scene where he's pretending to work and the army guy comes around the corner and he's playing Pong. Um, that is a missed opportunity for him to be playing Dig Dug. <laughs> like <laughs> that just hit me today. And I was like, it was like, also Pong, it's just such a cle- like, you guys know video games? Like, Pong. <laughs> uh, it's like just anything, man. It's 2003. Like video games exist. Um, so 2003 being uh, the the number of the day. 
I, w- I wanted to paint a picture of the peak 2003 hacker internet nerd, not just the kind of hacker character I want to see in a movie, but also in this movie set in 2003. I, I skinned it for um, 2003 type. So he's like a something awful forum goon internet troll type back when the internet was kind of like internet trolling was like more of like a wild west of like mischief and chicanery and not scathing you know democracy upsetting <laughs> misinformation um which is also why i like that you referenced uh trump because yeah the, the the whole thing about controlling information uh just basically you can't write that anymore or it, if you do it's a very different movie um yeah. <laughs> you can't just cavalierly have someone control the flow of information on the internet so uh yeah so like he's one of those kind of mischievous internet trolls of of the you know early 2000s forum goons 4chan for the like six months where it was weird and funny and not a cesspool of hate um i also think they don't just pull him just from nowhere like they're just like hey we know this guy because of his rap sheet uh i think he's a teacher and a friend of serge they're like oh you need to you need a computer guy to help keep this clandestine i know just the guy and he teaches at the university as well so just so he's not pulled out of thin air he is an expert at disinformation spreading. He's not just like a quote unquote hacker. He like his whole specialty is controlling the flow of, of uh, information, but he does it for the lulls. So, you know, his rap sheet uh, is just an opportunity for jokes. And I went ahead and I wrote three things. I think he he did. <laughs> we got him on. Um, so first of all, he registered EverQuest loot to be traded on the foreign exchange mar- market. Uh, he started the internet rumor that Shaggy was dead, uh, to which he responds, it wasn't me. Um, and then kind of funny, but also to show that he can hack government facilities. Uh, he, um, hacked the national parks department and released a statement claiming old faithful was not Y2K compliant and would explode. (laughs) And they're like, read, this is like the FBI guy, like reading all the shit he's done. And he's like, man, I got to get back to a class. Do you you, like, these aren't crimes, bro. Uh, what do you want from me? And it's like, we need, we need your help. Or he's like, technically the, the, the national parks one is, and you'll lose your 10, you know, your, your job here at the university. Great. So now we've got a kind of a cool thing. Uh, I think he teaches in a weird way. Um, like maybe he, he videos in, or he's got some kind of weird AI who does his teaching for him just again to, to, sh- or maybe that's something that can come up later. He has a trick that helps them when they're, when they meet the Murlocs or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, I think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just had an idea, but go ahead. Uh, No, please, please. I just have how I would want to introduce him differently than how he was introduced in this movie. Uh, No, mine was a complete non sequitur in that. How do you even have real time communications to the center of the earth? Like, how are you? How are are radio waves (laughs) transmitting through (laughs) magnetic uh, uh, material? Yeah. My my phone stops playing music when I when I bend over when it's in my pocket. So it's not (laughs) communicating down into the earth. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, let, no, last but not least, I think you instead of introducing him by just like being surrounded by computers and snack garbage and then wiping it all, uh, I think you see him passionately um, uh, detailing the benefits and application of some kind of piece of technology, just really eloquently, really passionately. Uh, and then the camera zooms out and he's actually explaining why he put Linux on his mom's computer. Um, and then it's got, he's, ah, he still lives in his mom's basement, which is better than the very lame, he's a virgin joke they make where he's like, oh, the world's going to end. I wanted to have sex first. And it's like, yeah, he's a fun fuckable virgin. 
Um, again, incels uh, crea- carrying out misinformation. Can't do that anymore. Um, I want to. I want to rewind just a little bit to mm-hmm. what Robin just said about how are they communicating through all this solid rock. If only they had set up early in the movie a person who was an expert at sound waves it's passing through solid rock. material. Like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. They, then maybe they could have explained that and had <laughs> him be some sort of communications expert for the mission. But, you know, nothing was set up that could do that. He, so who's to say? Yeah, he, he sees this lesson. He's like, oh, well, if that's true, you could do a Wi-Fi. Great. So that's my pitch on how to just make him a true, like... 2003 nerd also if you want to see a great depiction of 2003 nerds the movie blackberry does it very well yeah (laughs) um it's quite good uh but i would also suggest uh everything i just said but also there's an opportunity to uh just put another woman in this movie uh this could have been could have been uh the dj qualls character uh and i was thinking who would rock this role in 2003 uh i recently watched uh Josie and the Pussycats from 2001. Oh, yeah. Excellent movie. Rosario Dawson would crush. 2003 Rosario Dawson would crush the hacker in the chair role. Yeah. So that's that's my fix for this movie. Rewrite him to be a legitimate nerd, not a a pastiche of cliches that make Big Bang Theory look nuanced. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And make it Rosario Dawson if you can. Nice. I think we I think we spat out a couple bonkers ideas, but also a couple things that might actually have just like at the very least made the movie a little more palatable. Yeah, would agree. Um, let's see if we agree with our listener comments. Thank you to everyone who commented. We always appreciate your contributions. You can do it on Twitter for now. You can do it on Facebook. Uh, I have some notes on Facebook. You can join the aforementioned Discord server. Uh, but let's hear what some of you have to think now. Sean McKnight says, I got nothing. This movie is unsalvageable. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough one. That's for sure. <laughs> Just make the movie sunshine. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Journey to the Center of the Earth. Because that's like about a decade later, they made that with The Rock, right? Or Will Ferrell. I'm pretty sure Will Ferrell, they yeah. made Journey to the Center of the Earth a long time ago as well. As well, yes. Yeah. But like, yeah. Because it's yes. it's based on a classic novel. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Nathan Martin says, ha ha ha, I'm so sorry, but I can't. No notes. This movie is crazy, but I respect it. Tucci goes full Tucci, and that's what we're here for. There's a lot of Tucci in this movie. Yeah. The Tucci was loose. <laughs> Lorgar from our Discord channel says, step one, talk to scientists to find out what would actually happen if the Earth's magnetic field went haywire. Step two, talk to doctors to find out what actually happened if pacemakers stopped working. Yeah, but that wasn't, as we previously established, that wasn't a thing in this time period. (laughs) (laughs) Or rather, they did talk to experts, but the experts they were talking to were actually absolute crackpots. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think what, what Robin was saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not that movies didn't have scientific counsel or advisors, it's that uh organizations cropped up to be those advisors preemptively like offer their services as providers so that crackpots didn't get brought in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and because like this, this actually reminds me of Star Trek Voyager, believe it or not, it, bear mm-hmm. with me because there's the character Chakotay on that television series. He's meant to be like an indigenous person, the indigenous advisor that they brought onto the show to help, with that character, it turns out 
was making it all up. They knew nothing, absolutely nothing about it at all. And that is like so indicative of like the kind of people that they bring in. It's just, Mm -hmm. they just accept someone based on their qualifications or, or that they say they have or hearsay, or it's a guy, some guy knows Oh yeah, my buddy knows tons of stuff about that stuff. We'll we'll bring him in. <laughs> they didn't they didn't have that pool of expertise that they knew to reach out to, and I think it's good that that pool of expertise now exists and is just like we're here, ask us anything. Like yeah. And I think in science fiction like it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot to I mean it doesn't have to be real science, but just as long as you you just have to get it just enough so that it's believable you know like you just have to sidle up to it and that's like star trek's done that you know for decades where you just like you get close enough to like something that's real and it sounds believable and away you go yeah you you don't want to completely destroy the suspension of disbelief you make it plausible enough that the audience is like okay i'm on board for this yeah as opposed to something that's just such nonsense that the audience is throwing popcorn at the screen like (laughs) yeah I, I meant to ask this earlier, Greg. You watched Moonfall, right? I did. So how does I. this compare to? So did you? How does this mm. compare to Moonfall? Is it the same kind of dumb? Is it like the same vibe? Like, well, this isn't this isn't a problem of two thousand three? Well, there's yeah. I mean, like in we were talking about um, day after tomorrow earlier, right? Where people like literally run away from the cold. Um, which is <laughs> very weird. Well, in in this movie, they run away from the gravity of the moon, which makes total sense. <laughs> Fair. And Aaron Beaver says, with apologies to DJ Qualls, who is not at fault for this, I gritted my teeth every time the hacker was on screen. I was trying to think back to what we thought of hackers in 2003, but couldn't stop thinking this guy seems like several years later he would quit 4chan because it was too woke and is one of the least suspects for starting QAnon. They never get into what his 43 convictions are for, and that is concerning. Give me a hacker who's like 50-year-old black lady, and everyone's always underestimated. She got busted for erasing uh, student loans and health insurance bills. She makes money erasing people from the internet when they want to disappear, so they get her because she is skilled at making stories vanish. I don't care if it makes that much sense, but try a bit harder than this guy eats pizza pockets and says hack the planet. Um, yep. Yeah, right. similar similar conclusion I came to. Um, in fact, I read Aaron's comment, and forgot it had been mentioned, and then was very pleased with myself. Was like dumb, dumb. I'm gonna come up with my own version. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then was like, all right, Aaron, pitch this. This is right. Womp womp. But I, like I said, I, I tried to paint it like a, like a, re, you know, inspired by Blackberry. I tried to give him a, sure, yeah, uh, a genuine 2003 paint. Um, but I like the idea, yeah, the, the kind of renegade, uh, student loans, health insurance, um, yeah, yeah, that's hack, true. Hack, I, hack I, I definitely love that angle of it. Yeah, I think that's a great way of affixing that particular character. But yeah, that concludes it for listener comments and for this episode of I Have Some Notes and this season of I Have Some Notes. Yeah, we're going away for a little while. <laughs> a few, a few um, weeks. We usually we usually take a break, and then we'll be back in the beginning of September. But uh, if you are subscribed to our Patreon, there will probably be some summer activity going on there that you might want to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly. Uh, thank you again to our guest, Robin, for joining us. Thank you, Robin Taylor. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. 
Uh, you can follow us at facebook.com slash I have some notes at I have some notes on Twitter and just wherever it is you're listening to this, give us a rate, a review. Uh, if there's a little button your podcatcher wants you to click, please click it. It helps. Yeah, and as I mentioned, you can head over to patreon.com slash I have some notes right now if you'd like to throw us a little monthly financial support. We really appreciate all of our patrons, including Robin, right here, one of our patrons taking part in the show. Will you be able to take part in the show if you're our patron? Probably not, but (laughs) (laughs) but never say never. Great, great sell, Scott. You're really removing units with you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, as we mentioned, the season is over, which is a great time for you to start sending us movies you would like us to rewrite in season nine uh, come this September. So please get all of us on Twitter and all our socials and let us know what you want us to fix. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep drilling the core! That's funny. I talk, I'm talking about those... Um, the setups and payoffs. Like, we watch so many of these shitty movies. Yeah. That, like, when I do watch a movie... That has like proper setups and payoffs. I'm always like, ooh, look at that. They set this up and it paid off. Holy cow. It's exciting, right? Because you're like, (laughs) oh, oh, this might be something. Oh, it's something. It turned out to something. It's great. Yeah. Did they just just pay that off? (gasps) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you can just clock early on in a movie, like whether you have the confidence that they're going to deliver on the things that they're paying off or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, something, something like the core, I definitely did not have confidence.